Welcome to this sustainable self-development hypertrophy zone, where it's all about sustainably hardcore ways to maximize muscle growth. We talk about everything that is related to muscle growth, training intensity, rep ranges, special training techniques, progression schemes, injury prevention, exercise selection. Take your pick before the hypertrophy zone picks you. So, hey, Wilfredo, it's great to have you back on. And in the last podcast, we talked about chest and arm training, which is arguably every guy's two favorite body parts. And in this episode, we are going to talk about some other body parts that are not as beloved by most guys, but it should be because they look really good when they're well-trained, and those are the legs. So... Um, I guess it, we could start with the quads, which is basically the front thighs for like more practically speaking, I guess, but you can correct me. And so maybe we could just start with what should people know in a general sense about the quads? Uh, is there some characteristic of that muscle group that uh, distinguishes them in terms of how to train them? Uh, what kind of um, special training techniques or principles apply to them that don't apply to other muscles? Is there anything like that that people should really know about the quads? Uh, well, the first thing to know is their function, what they do, right? So um, the quadriceps extend the knee, of course. Um, when you think quad exercises, you think of uh, squats, lunges, uh, leg extensions, all of which have a knee extension uh, component to them, right? So that's the first thing to know. And then we essentially can go from there with how to train them. So the quads are actually a pretty simple uh, body part, even despite them being a rather, rather large body part and there being four heads to the quadricep, hence the name quadricep. Um, so as long as you're extending the knee, then you're training the quadricep. Now, most people um, believe that the squat is the best quadricep exercise. Uh, I tend to agree, although there is research showing that exercises like um, the Bulgarian split squat, which is basically where you put uh, one of your legs up on a bench and then basically do like a, a lunging motion with the leg that's still on the floor and hold a dumbbell in one of your hands. Uh, that exercise, the Bulgarian split squat, is shown to elicit just as much quad activity as a standard squat when um, when uh, the weight is controlled for. So you're safe training your quads with just about any variation of the squat, the lunge, um, split squat, uh, or a leg extension. Now, one right. of the um, more unique things, that's not totally unique, but I think a lot of people don't really apply this to the quadricep. And we talked about this a bit, I believe, with the triceps, which mm -hmm. is length tension relationship. 
so length tension relationship is just uh it's pretty self-explanatory it's the relationship between how long a muscle is or how short a muscle is and how much force or tension it can generate at that length so if a muscle is too contracted it can't generate very much force if it's too stretched or lengthened then it can't generate too much force this only applies to muscles that are biarticulate or that cross two joints uh only one part of the quadricep crosses two joints which is the rectus femoris which is uh the part right in the center of the quad and if you look at a picture of somebody with really well-developed quads, you'll see that middle part of the quad that travels all the way up to the hip. That's the rectus femoris. So it extends the knee just like the other heads of the quadricep, but it also flexes the hip, which is uh, basically hip flexion is bending over pretty much, bringing uh, your upper thigh towards your torso. And since the rectus femoris does both of those things, it can't do both of those things at the same time. So if your hips are flexed, then your rectus femoris can't extend your knee. So most of the quad exercises that I just brought up and most of the ones that most people do, uh, lunges, squats, um, the leg extension, as you're extending your knee, flexed for most of the movement and like with a leg extension as you're extending the knee you're sitting down so your hips are flexed throughout the entire movement um so in order to train the rectus femoris better what you would want to do is have your knees uh extend while your hips are also extended so a standing leg extension or a sissy squat anybody who has followed um old school bodybuilders, Arnold and uh, Vince Gironda, and uh, it really any any of the golden age bodybuilders from back in the day, they all used to do sissy squats, which is basically just, it's it, it's not even really a squat. It's, it's pretty much a standing leg extension with your own body weight. You just push your knees forward and come up onto your toes. Uh, while your hips are extended, you try to keep your torso as rigid as possible and as straight as possible. And then you extend your knee to come back up. Right. Um, right. That's how we would train that one muscle. And other than that, like I said, you stick to the basics. Right. Gotcha. And, and um, I guess this is why it's advisable, for example, on the leg extension to lay back as, as far as you can, right? So on the leg extension machine, this is why you would uh, lay back as far as you can or adjust the, the padding, the back padding of the, the machine as far as you can so that you can... Um... Some people have those machines, the, the leg extension machines that'll, that'll lay all the way back. Um, if you have that option, I would do that. Uh, if you don't, uh, what I've done before is taken one of those those ankle straps that you can attach to a cable machine and put the pin for the cable machine about even with your butt. 
and then um, attach the ankle strap around your ankle and face away from the cable and do a standing leg extension like that. That's one way you could do it if you don't have um, a leg extension machine that lays down. Or like I said, you can just do a sissy squat. All you would need to do a sissy squat is just your own body weight and probably uh, something to hold on to so you don't lose your balance and fall over. Um, yeah. And with us, with a standing leg extension also, I would suggest finding something to hold on to since you're only standing on one leg. Um, getting off balance is not something that you really want. If you're just trying to train your quadriceps, you want to load them as much as possible, right? Yeah. So being in, in danger of, of tripping and falling is going to take your attention away from the work you should be doing on the quads. Got gotcha. Okay, so um, let's let's just briefly touch on the the different squat variations. So, is there a really big fundamental difference between high bar, low bar? So, I mean, and back squats in general, and then front squats and zercher squats and and things like this. Well, there's a ton of uh, theories on this stuff. Um, so we know that the longer the range of motion the better it is for muscle growth. And so theoretically, that would mean for the quadriceps that the front squat would be best. The high bar squat would be second best. And then the low bar squat would be third best. Um, because, you know, you're more upright and therefore the quads are going to travel further forward and the knee is going to have to go through a longer range of motion. Now that's theoretically, that doesn't always happen um, because different people are built differently. And so one person's high bar squat is not gonna look like the next person's high bar squat. Um, one person's low bar um, is not gonna look like the next person's low bar. Uh, some people can go deeper on a squat, uh, like those uh, Olympic lifters, if you've ever watched them squat where they, they can nearly scrape their ass on the ground. Now, if I put 225 on a bar and I let it take me all the way down, I'm still not as deep as those guys can go. My anatomy just won't allow for it because of my proportion. So <clears throat> it, it depends. Um, now with stance width, so how far apart your feet are, uh, I have read studies that show that that doesn't make uh, a difference when the range of motion is is equivalent. So when the knee angle goes through the same range, then stance width isn't going to make any difference. Right. Um, so yeah, I would just say if you're, if you're trying to train your quads, um, just pay attention to the range of motion in the knee joint. So you may need to stand sideways in front of a mirror with a bar and try out different forms to see uh, what will allow you to get the deepest while still being comfortable. And also a note on how low you should go on the squat. Cause that's another thing. A lot of people uh, discuss or debate or whatever. Um, my stance on that once again, is that the longer the range of motion, the better. However, if you begin to round your back in an attempt to go ass to grass on a squat, 
then eventually you're not going to be able to train your quads because your lumbar spine is going to explode. So I use a similar test that I do with uh, the stiff leg deadlift, which is stand in front of a mirror sideways and go down until I see my lower back round. And that's my range of motion. And I'm not going any deeper than that, regardless of what other people in the gym are going to think. Or, you know, if somebody on Instagram is going to talk shit, if they see a video that's irrelevant, (laughs) you can't hurt yourself trying to get bigger quads because then you can't train your quads at all. So be safe. Right. So then let's touch briefly on um on another hot topic here which is the leg press <laughs> not, i i wouldn't say leg press versus the squats but that's not really the right phrasing it's more so a question of like how in what situation let's say someone um for some reason can squat and they want to use the leg press um what do you think about the exercise in general what are the limitations and how can people make the most out of it for for their quads Uh, So the leg press is a fine exercise. Um, It's not going to be as good as the squat. It's actually been compared a few times in studies and it's been repeatedly shown to perform less well than the squat does. So comparing them, yeah, the, the squat is better. However, like you said, there are people out there who just can't squat, who have back issues or, um, whatever it might be. Uh, Some people have shoulder issues that don't allow them to squat. So the leg press would be a fine um, uh, alternative in that context. And so making the most out of it, I would say once again, um, the same thing that I said with going deep on the squat. A lot of people tend to want to get the longest range of motion possible because they understand that a longer range of motion is better. However, I have seen quite a few people and I've worked with a few people who in an attempt to get the longest range of motion, they round their lower back and you can't see it if you're just looking at them, um, you know, from the side, you have to be looking from an angle and you can see a person's butt coming up off of the pad because they're rounding their lower back because they're trying to touch their quads to their chest. Right. So once again, never round your lower back. Don't hurt yourself. Um, Get the longest range of motion that you can uh, while still being safe. That's, that's really my only rule with the leg press. Uh, We know from the squat that the width doesn't matter. Uh, if the knee angle is the same, right? So Mm -hmm. if the range of motion at the knee is the same, then a wide or a narrow stance isn't going to make a difference for the quadriceps. So that probably won't make a difference. Uh, It doesn't make a difference in the squat. So it probably won't make a difference on the leg press, although, of course, it might. So I would... My one suggestion would be um, whatever's the most comfortable with the longest range of motion, do that. 
Okay, so a couple more questions on the quads. So what about hex squats and uh, which is a little bit controversial, Smith machine squats. So is there a way to use, especially the Smith, Smith machine squat in a productive manner? Well, yes, I, I, I'm very hesitant to tell anybody just don't do that exercise point blank period because I'm sure that in some context that I'm not thinking of, there would be a reason to use the Smith machine squat. Uh, I don't like it just because it's putting you in this very particular uh, plane of motion. You're going straight up and straight down. And when we're talking about the ankles moving, the knees moving, and the hips moving, and the spine moving, that's a lot of... Uh, that's a lot of variation that's going to occur from person to person. So the idea that somebody is going to squat with a perfectly up and down bar path, I mean, that the most elite strength athletes have worked for years to get a perfect up and down bar path. The average person who's just trying to grow their quads, probably not. And I've also, this is just anecdotal evidence, been told by uh, quite a few people that just free bar squatting feels way better than Smith machine squatting. I know people who have been injured Smith machine squatting. Mm -hmm. So I don't like it. Um, now the hack squat tends to have kind of a, uh, the machines tend to have like a circular um, motion to them, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like um, they don't go straight up and down. They go, in a circle. I don't, I don't know how else to explain those machines, but I, I would prefer that over a Smith machine squat. Um, yeah, I, I, I would suggest staying away from it, but I'm sure that there's somebody out there who can use it just fine. Right. Um, one thing that I want to ask is the, the application of the Smith machine for the unilateral um, quad like squat variations because for example for me like bulgarian split squats well in general i just have horrible balance so um if i was to just use heavy dumbbells i, I would just never effectively overload <laughs> any of those movements movements because all my energy would be wasted on trying to maintain balance so what do you think using it for those uh <clears throat> yeah that could be um one context, um, it's a lot less, you have less to worry about with like a split squat or a lunge than you do with a full-blown back squat. So that could be one potential context where uh, you could use it. However, what I tend to suggest to people who are doing, um, who are doing unilateral exercises for anything is to just hold on to something, right? Find um, some something, anything to just hold on to with your free hand. That way you don't have to worry about the balance. And also you're trying to train in what we're talking about. You're trying to train your quads, right? Um, the reason why a lack of balance would be helpful would be for your core, right? Like right. with a Bulgarian split squat, you're holding a dumbbell with one hand. So it's pulling you to one side so your obliques would be working to keep you upright, 
Now, if you hold on to something, you're taking the obliques out of it. However, we're just trying to train the quads. So who cares about the obliques in that context, right? Unless you just want to train them both simultaneously. Uh, But yeah, so that's that's what I do when I do a Bulgarian split squat. I do um, I do a unilateral dumbbell overhead press standing. I do I do a lot of unilateral exercises and each and every one of them, I just hold on to something just to keep my balance. So I don't have to even worry about that. I can just focus on training that muscle. Right. And and, um, and then speaking of unilateral, unilateral exercises, do you think that with these squat variations, there is a particular need or a benefit to including them besides just the bilateral squat variations plus some isolation exercise like the leg extension? Um, yeah, every, everything has its place. And so what I, the way I tend to program, um, those things is I use the big compound movements and I do those, um, heavier. Like when we talk about rep ranges, uh, I pick rep ranges based on the kind of exercise that I'm doing. So the more specific the exercise is, or the less compoundedness there is, if that's even a word the 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 more reps I do. So like just for the sake of variation, I'll do a squat and a lunge. And variation is important um, for muscle growth. And that's reflected across the research. So that's the main reason why you would want to do um, you know, a squat and a lunge and a leg extension and have multiple exercises that you use on the quads. But um so I would do like heavy squats because going heavy makes sense in the context of the squat because you're training so many muscles. Um, I would go eight to 12 on lunges, uh, which is about medium and then 12 plus on the leg extension. Uh, just because you don't want to go heavy on that because you have your knees to worry about on a leg extension. Uh, the knees are in a more vulnerable position there. So going heavy is only going to put way more stress on the knee joint than you probably want. Right. So, but yeah, to answer your specific question, variation would be the reason to include some of everything really. Yeah. And, and speaking of variation, is that kind of generally how you like to program things like three or so exercises per, per muscle group? Yeah. Depending on the, the muscle, um, and how often I'm training it. So the trying to think of an example, like the triceps, I only do technically one kind of isolation exercise for that, which is uh, a skull crusher because the long head of the tricep, which is better trained by the skull crusher uh, is not going to be properly trained by any of the pressing that I'm doing. And so I would need an isolation exercise in that case. But all my compound movements are taking care of the lateral head of the tricep. So I don't need anything else there. I can do that one exercise for the tricep. Whereas with the quadricep, we're talking about um, four different heads, uh, mixed fiber types, uh, much bigger muscle. So variation will be a little bit more important a quadricep or for the 
um, for the glutes or, you know, the bigger body parts. Right. Um, and, and one last thing that I want to ask about the quads is, do you find that they, um, like their volume tolerance? So there are some muscle groups. The next thing, for example, that we will speak about is the hamstrings. Uh, I, I hear a lot of people say that um, they generally don't tolerate a ton of volume, but for example, the delts do. And what do you find with the quads there? Um, I mean, I find that the, the quads can take a beating. What can't really take a beating is the knee. Yeah. That's where people run into a problem. Um, so, yeah, once again, you, you have to take special care of the knee and um, make sure that your hamstring volume, the, the general rule of thumb, and this is what I was taught in college, um, I don't know if this has a basis in research but this is what i learned from my professors is like a um a what is it three to two ratio hamstring work basically you want to keep your hamstrings um two-thirds as strong as the quadricep because both of those muscles are pulling on the knee joint right and if one of them becomes significantly stronger than the other then you run into a problem so Make sure to get in uh, a good amount of hamstring work and uh, protect those knees. And, yeah, if you start to get knee problems, then back off the volume. But like for me personally, I train my quads every day, three to four sets, and I'm just fine. Right. And that's what I have most of my clients do as well, do quad work just about every day and – they're fine as well. Yo, brilliant. So I think we pretty much knocked out the quads. Is there anything that we didn't touch on and um, it would be good to mention? Uh, no, I think that's it with the quads. Cool beans. All right, then let's knock out these hemis. So hamstrings, um, just like we introduced the quads, what is there generally to know about the hamstrings that's important? So the quad or the quads, I'm still talking about the quads. Yeah. <laughs> They also have uh, four heads. A lot of people don't know that. So um, three of the hamstring heads are responsible for flexing the knee, um, basically a hamstring curl. And then uh, one of them is also attached to the hip um, and extends the hip. So think like stiff leg deadlift. So the... Uh, heads that are responsible for knee flexion are the long head, the semimembranosus, and the semitendinosus. Hmm. And um, the one that's responsible for hip extension is the short head. So for optimal hamstring growth, we're going to need, just like I said, with, a, uh, with the quads, where you want to extend the knee with your hips flexed and with your hips extended to train the different parts of the muscle. You're going to do the same thing with the hamstring and do a, uh, a leg curl with your hips extended and with your hips flexed to train the different parts. Right. Cool. So um, then um, let's just uh, follow up this with a simple question. What are the best hamstring exercises? Um, so... Once again, uh, like we talked about last time, the more free the exercise, the better it's going to be. So 
um, probably the as the most free um, hamstring exercises are going to be the stiff leg deadlift um, and the glute ham raise. There's a lot of uh, research on the Nordic ham curl, which is basically a glute ham raise with a slow eccentric. Basically, you lower yourself for a few seconds and then explode back up. There's a lot of uh, research suggesting that that's very good at strengthening the hamstring. And like I said, with the quads, we want to keep those hamstrings strong to maintain the integrity of the knee to keep a person uh, from getting injured. So uh, the Nordic ham curl is really good. Um, a lot of people have trouble with the glute ham raise at first because they're not strong enough to do it. So in that case, a Nordic ham curl would be really good. You lower yourself for three seconds and then uh, push yourself back up to the starting position and then lower and push up. Um, that's a good way to get people strong at that exercise in the beginning. Um, and then I would also suggest a seated hamstring curl. Um, it's, um, um, some of the heads don't or aren't involved in uh, hip extension, you want to have the hips flexed while you uh, flex the knee also to train um, the different portions of the hamstring. So like the stiff leg deadlift and uh, the um, glute ham raise are both knee flexion while the hips are, um, or excuse me, the glute ham raise is knee flexion while the hip is extended. The stiff leg deadlift is hip extension while the knees are extended, um, which is registers uh, similarly. So you want to have something with the hips flexed while you curl the knee. So a, a seated hamstring curl along with those other two exercises is what I would have most people do. Cool. All right. So let's touch on a couple of points. So you mentioned the stiff legged deadlift. Uh, how would you say the stiff-legged deadlift compares to the Romanian deadlift? So the more, well, so my, my thing with the Romanian deadlift is I'm perfectly fine with someone having a bit of bend in the knee. And just for anyone who doesn't know, the Romanian deadlift is, uh, it's, it's a stiff-legged deadlift with a slight bend in the knee. And the stiff-legged deadlift, the knee is totally extended. Right. So the more bent the knee is, um, the more we're getting into the territory of just a standard deadlift, you know? Yeah. Um, now, if somebody can maintain a very strict knee bend where it's not all that great, then fine. But I find that people, they tend to turn the stiff leg deadlift or the Romanian deadlift into just the regular old deadlift because they start putting on weight and they're just trying to get the weight up. And so they start to move their knee. And once you start to extend that knee and flex that knee, now you're bringing your quadriceps into the picture and that's not what we're trying to do. So, right. um, if the knee is staying in the same position, then there's not going to be much of a difference from the stiff leg to the, to the Romanian. Um, because that knee is not very flexed, you know, like a Romanian, it's, it's really a tiny difference between the two. So yeah, as long as you're not, you know, moving your knees 
a lot during the exercise, then it's then you'll be fine. Yeah, I guess um, um, what I what I noticed with the Romanian deadlift is that uh, yeah, people kind of kind of get into this like they just start loading it up and they can get ridiculously strong with it. But when you actually look at the range of motion, it's pretty much identical with that of a um, uh, conventional deadlift, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's you know, if you're trying a conventional deadlift, then you should conventional deadlift, but if your express goal is to train your hamstrings, then you need to stiff leg deadlift or Romanian deadlift and keep the quadriceps out of it. That's not what you're trying to do. So don't, don't do it. Um, and also with range of motion, um, I, I see a lot of folks who, you know, they're trying to get the longest range of motion possible. And so they go too low and they end up rounding their lower back. And so, Like I suggested earlier, what I do is I get in front of a mirror and stand sideways and I do a stiff leg deadlift all the way down until I start to see my back begin to round. And that's my range of motion. That's where I'm stopping. Um, for me, that's not all the way. I'm not touching the weights all the way to the floor again, because for me to get there, I would have to round my lower back and I'm not going to risk an injury for a, a few extra degrees of range of motion. So yeah, be careful with that. Right. And, and you, so, and you also mentioned the, the leg curl exercise. Um, you mentioned that you prefer the seated as opposed to the lying one, correct? Yeah. Well, because With the the lying uh, leg curl, we have a better alternative, which is the glute ham raise. Um, the glute ham raise is the closed chain version of the lying ham curl. Yeah. Right. So closed chain means that the body is moving. Open chain means only the weight is moving. And closed chain has been shown to be better than open chain for muscle growth. So we have a better version of the lying ham curl. We don't really have a better version of the seated ham curl. I've yet to find a way to mimic that with a closed chain exercise. Um, so I can't really replace the seated ham curl yet. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll create something here coming up, but yeah, I've yet to find another alternative for that. So that's why I suggest people do the seated ham curl and a Nordic ham curl if they can't do the glute ham raise. Because that, like I said, that becomes an issue. People who aren't strong enough to do the exercise are like, well, what should I do? Because I just can't, I can't do this one. So uh, the Nordic ham curl to get strong at it in the beginning and then transition into a full glute ham raise. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, that I noticed with myself is I mean, I, to be honest, I never did the glute ham raises just simply because uh, I just never had it in any of my gyms. But one thing that I noticed with the lying leg curl is that once I get, like basically once my knee is fully extended, um, I, the, I think it's called pulpitus muscle, you know, like that's kind of the back end of the knee. That area just starts to feel super, super weird and awkward. And uh, so I always kind of have to pay attention not to fully stretch 
so I guess that would be kind of tricky if I did the, the glute ham raise because then you can't really control it as much. Much. Yeah. Um, and see, the, the thing with that is, you know, the majority of the hamstring, it crosses both the uh, hip and the knee. And so when your hips are extended, those muscles are basically stretched at that hip. Now, when you also extend your knee all the way, the muscle can't properly extend at that knee also, right? It's the length tension relationship thing again. It's why people, when you bend forward, like in a stiff leg deadlift, that's why you feel that extreme stretch in the hamstring um, because you're stretching at multiple joints. So... Yeah, that that's another re- I tend to suggest that people stay away from uh fully extending the knee while the hips are extended uh just because um yeah, the, the getting too stretched once again is going it's it's not the best for muscle growth. The muscle can't generate very much uh force or tension in that position. So I'd stay away from that. But yeah, um yeah, it might be just something with um, being too stretched, and that's why you feel that awkwardness at your knee whenever you you lower the weight. Right. So, so for the same reason. So, what's safe with the stiff-legged deadlift is not safe with the lying leg curl because the hips are extended. Right. Probably. Yeah. And also right. with the. Stiff leg deadlift, since it's a closed chain exercise, the body is more free to move around. And so it can position you uh, to be safe. Like the body is is doing everything it can to keep you from breaking or dislocating something, right? Yeah. Uh, when you're on a machine and you're locked into this specific plane of motion, then the body can't move like it needs to. It can't shift uh, the tension to a different portion of the muscle. It can't um, you know, it can't shift a joint to a better position to handle the load. So you can end up in an awkward position, uh, that will get you hurt on a machine that, you know, if you look at it anatomically, it's not very much different from a stiff leg deadlift. Like that's why you just made that, that relationship, right? Like in both of those cases, um, you know, it's similar, right? Where where yeah. we have extended uh, hips and extended knees at one point. Um, so why does one hurt and not the other? Well, yeah, because one's more free, and the body can do what it needs to do to protect you. And with the machine, it really can. So, right. Um, one thing that we haven't touched on is what do you think about the the back extension or hip extension for on the reverse hyper for uh, hamstrings? Um, I would prefer the, um, I would prefer the stiff leg deadlift because it's, it's once again, you're more uh, free to move with a stiff leg deadlift. Um, but the, the hip extension is not bad. It's, it's a fine exercise. I mean, you can, you can load it, um, which I used to do. You could, you know, use a dumbbell or uh, even a barbell if you start getting really strong at it. Um, but it, it could be a fine alternative to the uh, stiff leg deadlift. 
Right. Um, and, and, and one, uh, well, I have, I think two more questions on this, but one is how should, so people who do glute work like hip thrusts, uh, unilateral hip thrusts, stuff like that, should they count volume for, from those exercises towards hamstring? So if you are extending the hips, so like a glute, uh, not a glute ham raise, a, uh, stiff leg deadlift, I would count that toward, um, glute volume. Um, the glute ham raise, I know it's called a glute ham raise, but the problem is, is there's no, um, movement at the hip. The hips are extended for the whole exercise. So the glutes are working, but not very hard. They're just maintaining an isometric contraction. They're essentially just staying still, right? Right. Um, an eccentric and contract, uh, an eccentric and concentric motion is where the muscle really has to do its work. So um, there's an eccentric and concentric on the stiff deg- stiff leg deadlift, so I'd count that. Um, but like the, the ham curls, no, I wouldn't count that toward glute volume. Right, okay. And then uh, I think my last question on this is... Um what kind of rep parameters do you like to work with with the hamstrings because we hear a lot about you know the hamstrings being fast twitch dominant and best strength with low reps uh, what do you think about this so i've uh i've read that also um I, i'm beginning to be more inclined to believe that the rep ranges aren't as important as just doing every rep range, right? Like training heavy, training with moderate weight, training with lightweight. Um, Greg Knuckles, you know Greg Knuckles from uh, sure, sure. Spring Theory? Yeah. He wrote um, an article with a ton of citations like he always does um, where they talked about uh, the difference in muscle growth between different rep ranges from, you know, heavy one to five to moderate. Uh, six to 12 to light 12 and up uh, just to see if it made a difference. And across a ton of research, it just didn't. They, they all the people had the same um, or very similar amounts of muscle growth. So I've, I know the fiber type argument, um, but it's just not panning out in, in the further research. So I would suggest going heavier on some exercises and then lighter on other ones just to cover all your bases. Just the same way we use variation in the exercises, we use variation with the rep ranges. So I would go probably a little heavier on the stiff leg deadlift, um, moderate on like a glute ham raise and light on a uh, ham curl machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, for me, the more free the exercise, the heavier I go on it because it's, it's, I can't go heavy on the machine because to me, that's more dangerous than going the exercise. Right. No, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, cool. Awesome. Uh, anything that we didn't touch on regarding hamstrings that would be important? Uh, no, I think we, I think we covered everything. Cool beans. Awesome. Then, uh, awesomeness. We pretty much knocked out both body parts really well. And I think this will be very helpful for people. 
So yeah, I think we can wrap it up uh, just uh, as usual, just to tell people where they can find you and find out more about your work. Uh, yeah, you can check me out at uh, Wilfredo, W-I-L-F-R-E-D-O, fitness.com. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, by the time this is out, I will have uh, totally redesigned my website and have a ton of free stuff, um, resources and videos and eBooks, and I've got a ton of stuff um, coming out. So be sure to check out my website. Awesome. Yeah, guys, check out his website. He has a lot of cool guys on different body parts and just very informative. So cool beans. Uh, thank you so much, Wilfredo, for doing this. And yeah, talk to anybody next time. All right, guys, Abel here again. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe on YouTube if you watched it there. I come out with new content every week there, whether it's in the form of a podcast episode like this, which I actually aim to do one off every week, or some shorter informational video. Also, if you could just leave a comment and suggest some people that you'd like me to interview or just topics you'd like me to cover, uh, it would be very helpful to know how I can better serve you. And if you listen to it in podcast, format if you could leave a rating on itunes it would greatly help out the show and i would be more than grateful for it so thanks guys for hanging out up until now thanks for being here and see you all next week